Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to, to you, Lord Christ. Christ. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's, it's good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Lord Christ. Again, good morning. Welcome to All Saints. We're so glad you're here with us to worship the living God. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Though the grass withers and the flowers fade, your word will last forever. Would you this morning make my words and the meditation of all of our hearts pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I wonder if you or your family are like our family. We like surprises. We like to give surprises and receive surprises. Surprised anniversary or birthday party or surprise coming in from out of town uh, to be with family for the holidays. Our most recent surprise was this last year on our family vacation. Our son surprised his girlfriend with a proposal on the beach. And when they returned to the rent house to tell us, her parents and brother were there from seven states away. She was overwhelmed with emotion, understandably. Here we have, in our gospel text, the closest disciples of Jesus, overwhelmed, but with a different emotion. Fear. Fear at the surprise of seeing the fully human Jesus revealed to be also fully divine. The one God-man, the eternal God, the Son, veiled in flesh, yet revealed in his blinding brilliance. This Transfiguration Sunday marks a major turning point in our church year. Jesus turns his blazing face towards disfiguring death at the hands of his enemies in Jerusalem. This week, we turn from the mountaintop light of Epiphany to the valley of the shadow of Lent and his road to the cross of the crucifixion. Our gospel text from Mark begins after six days. The verses just before tell us what happened that Jesus had asked his disciples 
who they think he is. And Peter confesses rightly, you are the Christ, or the Greek word Christ is the Hebrew Messiah. So he was saying, you are the promised Messiah. Peter has the right answer as to who Jesus is, but in the next verses, he shows his right answer doesn't include its full meaning. When Jesus tells them he must suffer many things and be rejected and killed and after three days rise again, Peter says, no, Lord, no. And Jesus surprises all of them by saying, get behind me, Satan. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. I wonder, do you find yourself in some way like Peter this morning? Often we think we know all of who God is and what he should be doing in our lives and how our relationship with him should be playing out. But we don't oftentimes. Instead, reality surprises us. How might your assumptions with God to live rightly related to him and experience all that he has for you, how, how might you need to be surprised by God and who he is? Two points for us this morning, the reveal and its meaning. First of all, the reveal. Now, when you hear reveal, you may think, like in our culture, gender reveal. Now, we had one of those in our family. Uh, Our second grandchild, it was revealed to us, is our second grandson coming up April 10th of this year. And I've got pictures and video in the back to show you if you're interested. I'd be glad to uh, show you more than you want to know. You grandparents can realize that. No, this is not a gender reveal. It's more like a divinity reveal. By the time of our gospel text, Mark tells us Peter had seen Jesus heal the sick, blind, heal the deaf and lame, cast out demons, feed 5,000 and then 4,000, calm a storm and even walk on water. Perhaps Peter's reaction to Jesus saying he must suffer and die is why Peter, why Jesus takes Peter James and John, to pray on the mountaintop, that undisclosed place. His closest disciples, representing all his disciples, he takes them to pray, to reveal more of who he is and what it means. Three of our four gospels have eyewitness accounts of this transfiguration, but each with distinct details. Luke's gospel says, when Jesus took them up to pray, the disciples fell asleep. They had the right belief, but the greatness of who they were with was not real to them. Instead of being alive to reality, their sleep made them live in a dreamlike unreality. So in response to their sleep, Jesus unveils his divinity brilliant, blinding, uncreated light of God's glorious, powerful, terrifying presence, his terrifying essence. And it awakens them. Just as when we come in faith, seeking God in prayer, seeking God in worship, or seeking God at his table, 
God's presence awakens us to his reality. In fact, when you're worshiping God rightly, the God of glory in Jesus Christ, you are the most awake and truly human that you have ever been. But here we're told the disciples awake in fear. And they see Jesus talking with the representatives or bookends of the Old Testament. Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets. Luke tells us they were speaking with Jesus of his departure, or in the Greek, his exodus, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Think about that. Whereas Moses led Israel in an exodus out of slavery in Egypt to freedom in the promised land, all pointing to the exodus of Jesus Christ for us to follow out of our slavery in sin to life with him forever. All of the Old Testament points to the promised Messiah to come for which Moses, Elijah, and all the Old Testament faithful look and point to and long for. But Peter still doesn't seem to comprehend the divinity of Jesus because he offers to build three tents, one for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, as if they're all equal, as if Jesus even needs a tent. It was a tent of meeting or tabernacle that was God's initial dwelling place in the midst of his Old Testament people. The New Testament says Jesus is the dwelling place or tabernacle of God in the midst of his people. And then apparently in response to Peter's continued misunderstanding, the powerful, awe-inspiring manifestation of God's Old Testament presence comes. A cloud. Bible students know it as the glory cloud. You see, throughout redemptive history in the Old Testament, when God showed himself to humans, he hid himself in various manifestations because we fallen sinful humans may not see God directly and live. And so God mediated the essence of himself in a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire or a burning bush, or a whirlwind, present yet hidden so that we might know of his presence and live. And in response to this cloud, the disciples fall on their face, or I like the way the King James says, they were sore afraid. And a voice from the cloud says the same words heard at Jesus' baptism. How appropriate for this morning. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And Matthew adds, but then listen to him, God says. Like us, Peter and all the disciples need to heed his words because we have more to learn from him to understand reality rightly. So what gets them up from their holy face plant? Matthew tells us Jesus came and touched them. 
saying, rise and have no fear. You see, it's the words and presence of Jesus that overcome our our fears and enable us to rise. So that begs the question for you this morning, are you hiding his words in your heart that you might not fear your circumstances? You see, when we come, when we succumb to worry and fear, we give our circumstances more weight than God. And when we worship God rightly, we give him the weight that he's due in our lives, which yields for us courage and peace. When we see God rightly, we realize that his fearsome power is good because only a God of fearful power is strong enough to overcome the evil in our lives and in this world. We need that fearsome power. As Mr. Beaver says to Susan about Aslan in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. This reveal of Jesus affirms to his disciples and to us, he has the divine power needed to face the cross of crucifixion and overcome the evil of our sin and of this fallen world. But he also reveals the divine triune love needed to leave that mountaintop, which brings us to point two, the meaning of the reveal. What a mountaintop experience we, he, we have described here. I wonder if it's anything like any mountaintop experience you've ever had in your life. Very unlike, but in some ways like, our family's mountaintop spot. For over 30 years, to escape the Texas heat in the summer, we have, he- we have headed as often as we can to the mountains of Cloudcroft, New Mexico, 9,000 feet elevation, where the air is clear and clean, the vistas are breathtaking, and where my golf ball goes a lot farther to- than it does down here below. Do I sound like I've been hired by the Chamber of Commerce? Well, maybe so. Uh, when we lived in Dallas... We said we liked Cloudcroft because it's un-Dallas, less hectic, more simple. And once we would get there, we would do everything we could not to leave the mountain. Because it's the time with family and the perspective on life that we relished when we were there. Jesus brings his disciples to this mountain for family and perspective, but it's not the place that provides it to them. It's what he reveals while he's there. As we approach this week, not only Ash Wednesday, but Valentine's Day, confluence on the same same day, there is no sweeter, more deep and inspiring love story than the one shown here on the Mount of Transfiguration. The eternal love relationship of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, joined in fellowship with one another and with adopted sons, adopted children in the faith. 
John Denver never had such a Rocky Mountain high. And yet, it's that triune love of God that will not stay on the mountaintop. It's a profoundly other-oriented, sacrificial love that must descend and go where needed, into the shadowlands, even the valley of death. And Jesus does just that with his disciples in tow. His love, as described in 1 Corinthians 13, doesn't insist on his own way. It takes him down to bear all things, endure all things, with a love that never ends. And he's going to need it, particularly when Peter denies him three times. This triune love doesn't wait for reciprocity. It initiates, pursues, perseveres into the darkness of suffering and pain for us humans. Even where enemies are ready to pounce and when even best friends fall away. Our God does not remain aloof somewhere over the rainbow where the bluebirds sing. He is an up-close participant in our struggles and embraces all the misery of all this world in Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus, like Peter and James and John and all disciples, you go with him and he with you. In other words, we are shadowlanders, so to speak, called to go in his name and in his power. Where there's a need, where his sacrificial love in and through us can unveil and reveal God himself, particularly in our suffering. In her book, Help My Unbelief, my friend Fleming Rutledge describes the night before Martin Luther King Jr. was killed, when he preached his last sermon that others said later seemed to transfigure him. Quote, He slumped back after he finished, completely overcome by the power of the words he'd been given to say. I have been to the mountaintop, he cried. I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. It was said afterward that never did a man seem less happy. It had been years since the I Have a Dream speech. Since that that climactic day on the mountaintop, Dr. King had been walking in the flames. He was under attack from all sides. It was not human happiness that he felt. It was not human hope that he held. It was not human promises that he trusted. It was God that he trusted, the God who makes a way out of no way. He trusted in He trusted, in spite of everything, that God's glory would be shown forth in his weakness as he shared the sufferings of Christ and became like Christ in his death. 
Fleming continues, the glory of God is hidden in the sufferings of Jesus. And it is in the event of the word made flesh through his servants who suffer for his sake that we know his glory, unquote. And this is what we see after the resurrection of Jesus. All of his 12 disciples sacrificed their lives for the extension of the gospel. As with our Savior, it was in their sacrificial suffering that God's glory was more fully unveiled and revealed in this world. His other-oriented, need-motivated, self-sacrificial love, which Jesus images perfectly, and his followers are called to reflect. Just as Elijah's disciple, Elisha, asked for and received a double portion of Elijah's power, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us has earned us a double portion of himself. He has made us a new creation, a new life, And he has given us his indwelling Holy Spirit for good works that he's prepared beforehand for us to do, to manifest his sacrificial love to others. Friends, may it be so for you and me today. Would you join me in prayer? Father, as we behold the glory of of our God, our triune God in Jesus Christ. May we be strengthened in faith to bear our own cross and be transformed into the likeness of Christ more and more as a manifestation of him who is all glory forever and ever. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.